everyone, this is Adam Bergman, founder and CEO of Irie Financial. Welcome to another episode of AdBits, where I will be sharing bits of knowledge about self-directed retirement. If you want to learn more, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Just search IRA Financial. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of AdBits. I'm Adam Bergman, tax attorney and founder of IRA Financial. And on today's episode, I'm going to tackle a important but complex topic called the plan asset rules. And the plan asset rules are essentially obligations under ERISA that could kick in, that could require managers of funds to have fiduciary responsibilities when they may have not otherwise recognized these responsibilities existed. So it could kick in and turn an investment into a hedge fund, private equity fund, real estate fund. And based off certain facts and circumstances, it can create fiduciary responsibilities to the managers of those funds. So it's important if you are in the investment world, if you are managing a fund um, in some capacity, you need to listen to this and understand how the plan asset rules work if you are going to take money from IRAs, 401ks, and pension plans. Now, if you are the investor, the risk isn't as uh, significant. There's really not no risk other than just hoping your investment does well. The plan asset rules, what they do is they can turn the fiduciary rules on and require that these managers of these investment funds have added scrutiny, added responsibility, um, and um, really um, you know, important requirements that they need to comply with. So let's t- take a step back, explain what the plan asset rules work, talk about some of the exceptions, and then talk about how to um, you know, avoid them or potentially deal with them. So as I mentioned, um, they, they were basically created in 1987. Um, and they were there to basically force managers of investment funds that take pension funds uh, and make sure that they are abiding by the rules and doing everything they need to to make sure the investments are in the best interest you know, of, of these pension plans. Okay, so there's exceptions to having these plan asset rules kick in. Again, why don't you want these plan asset rules to kick in? Because if you are the manager of an investment fund or a real estate fund, uh, and these plan asset rules kick in, you don't want to have that happen. Trust me. Um, not a good thing because you now have fiduciary responsibilities. And if you don't know what fiduciary responsibility is, I'll get to it. But guess what? It's added responsibility and added risk and your threshold for getting sued um, is much lower. Okay, so you never want to be a fiduciary if you don't have to be. That's the bottom line. And if these plan asset rules kick in, then whatever you do, um, you could potentially, um, as a fiduciary, get sued because, again, the uh, threshold for what is right and wrong and best interest is much lower. And then plus other stuff you're doing, whether it's it's pulling out fees on different areas, you now have the fiduciary context attached to that, which you know makes it a lot harder to run your fund. So. Now that you know why you don't want to have these plan asset rules kick in, let's let's see what the exceptions are to them. So the first most popular exception is publicly offered securities, right? You invest, if you're Apple and you have IRAs or 401ks, you can have more than 25% of your company in retirement accounts and you're not going to trigger the plan asset rules. So you won't have any fiduciary responsibilities. 
Second is an operating company. So if your retirement accounts are investing in an operating company, an operating company is basically an entity that's primarily engaged directly or through majority-owned subsidiary in the production or sales of products or services other than the investment of capital or a venture or capital operating company or a real estate operating company, that's good. So you can have more than 25% invest um, into an operating company without triggering uh, the plan asset rules. So that, that's another good thing. And then the 25% test, right? So significant participation exception. If you have less than 25% of your fund invested by pension plans, IRAs, 401ks, defined benefit plans, then you do not have to worry about the plan asset rules. That's why if you have ever invested in a private equity fund or a hedge fund, you will see language to this effect about whether you are a pension plan, whether you're an IRA, and they'll have language in the partnership agreement about staying under the 25%. In fact, some funds will not allow pension plans to invest because they are worried about this 25% threshold. Some will cut it at 10% just to be extra careful based off uh, value and additional um, commitment. So that's the, the test. Operating company, uh, public company, or under 25%, you don't have to worry about the plan asset rules. Again, these plan asset rules are there to add fiduciary responsibilities and risk to the managers of the funds, not necessarily the investors. The IRA or 401k investors have nothing to worry about. The plan asset rules don't have anything to do with them. It has focus and responsibility on the managers of these funds. So we went through what an operating company was. Let's go through what a venture capital operating company is. And that is on the initial valuation date, the 50% of the entity's assets valued at cost must be invested in operating companies in which the entity has or obtains management rights. Okay. So basically, if you invest in a venture capital fund that is actually managing these underlying investments and more than 50% of the assets are invested in operating companies and they're actually actively managing these companies, then you can have more than 25% of your fund owned by pension plans without triggering the plan asset rules. Okay. Then there's the same idea for real estate operating companies. If you invest in a real estate operating company that satisfies the annual valuation period, the management test, um, then that real estate operating company will not be deemed uh, passive. It will be deemed operating company and not be subject to the plan asset rules. It's the same 50% of the entity's assets. In this case, must be invested in real estate or managed or developed with respect to which such entity has a right to substantially participate in the management. So again, 50% of the assets are more in real estate, active real estate that this company actually manages. They can technically outsource the management, but they need to have responsibility and supervision over the company that's managing these assets. So that's another way you can get out of the plan asset rules, the real estate operating company, 50% or more of assets in active real estate, and there's a management criteria satisfied. And the same with the venture capital operating company, which goes along with the operating company exception. So now let's move to the 25% test, which is um, really what the investment companies have to focus on because they're not going to satisfy the operating company. Some will satisfy the real estate or the venture capital, but not all, especially hedge funds will not because it's passive and it's invested in passive um, financial products. So you need to, at that point, make sure that you have less than 25% of your fund in pension plans. So again, if you are investing in a hedge fund, you will guaranteed see plan asset rule language. I've 
drafted hundreds of partnership agreements for private equity, hedge fund deals. They're always in there. Some won't even take pension plans depending on the size of the fund. Um, again, the whole reason these funds don't want to deal with plan asset rules is it is going to impose added responsibilities, fiduciary responsibilities on the management of this of these funds or the fund and um, more risk, more potential to get sued because they have added uh, responsibility. So basically the Department of Labor, why, why they cared about this stuff is they felt that um, they have added responsibility. If you have pension plans investing and they're gonna make up a good chunk of your investors, you should provide added uh, responsibilities. You should have added scrutiny on what you're doing. And um, that's the core of what the plan asset rules are uh, meant to do. So who's a benefit plan investor? As I mentioned, it's, it's really any ERISA plan, a solo K, an IRA, um, Keo plan, and the like. So let's give an example, kind of like a master feeder fund example of, of the application of, of this, um, you know, these plan asset rules. So you invest in a master, uh, a master feeder fund is where there are funds that are set up where you can raise money from friends or, or you know, credit investors, and they basically feed into these underlying hedge funds or private equity funds. So it's a popular way to uh, get money into hedge funds is different people will set up different feeder funds that feed into this larger hedge fund. So the issue is if these feeder funds, okay, um, if the feeder fund is below the 25% uh, threshold, then the manager is not going to have a, a risk of fiduciary responsibilities, right? So if you're investing in these feeder funds and they have more than 25% of the assets of that feeder fund are pension plans, then they're going to be, the feeder fund will be subject to the plan asset rules, which means the manager of that feeder fund now is, has a fiduciary obligation. And depending on how he or she is being compensated with fees, commissions, things like that, that could violate the fiduciary rules and, and cause that person, you know, potential uh, liability risks. Um, so that's why it's very, very important in this feeder fund structure where you have funds feeding into other funds that the top funds, these feeder funds also stay under the 25%. Because if not, the managers of those feeder funds are gonna have fiduciary responsibility. They can't just say, well, you gave me all the money and we just all decided to invest those funds, you know, into fund A, by a B or C or Apollo or Blackstone or BlackRock, no. If you have more than 25% of your investors as pension plans, then you as a manager of that feeder fund have now ERISA fiduciary responsibilities, which could you know limit what you can do, what kind of fees you can make, and also add um, significant liability, potential liability to what you're doing. So it's super important to be under that 25% if you're setting up a fund. Now, one last thing I wanna mention, there's something called IRA-only funds. So if you have a fund and you're going to have only IRAs invest, non, no 401ks, uh, no, no defined benefit plans, no ERISA plan, just IRAs and potentially even solo Ks, what that means is the plan asset rules won't kick in, but the prohibited transaction rules will kick in. And this applies to the 25% look-through test. So let's say you have, um, you're raising money, you're raising $100 million, and you're going to have potentially $30 million only from IRAs, no 401ks, no pension plans. The IRA only fund exception says, okay, you can do that. The plan asset rules won't kick in, but the prohibited transaction rules still apply. So that means, hey, if there's any self-dealing or conflict of interest, things like that, 49.75 will still apply, but the plan asset rules 
won't, which means you potentially won't have that added fiduciary responsibility. You may still be deemed a fiduciary because you're providing investment advice, but you won't be deemed a fiduciary under ERISA, which could limit your potential liability risk. So that, that is something that some um, funds use, the IRA only rule uh, to limit responsibility. But what I've seen in my experience when I was practicing uh, law was that a lot of funds didn't even care about this exception. They just were like, no, I'm either gonna take uh, pension retirement funds or I'm not. If I, are, if I am, it's definitely gonna be under 25%. I'm not risking anything. Um, so um, that's just something you're gonna see. Things to watch out for, some tips. Uh, first thing is, again, it's not so much if you are an investor, it's more if you're managing a fund. Um, check out obviously what you're doing, right? If it's an operating company or a mutual fund, publicly traded, you're not gonna deal with any plan assets. Um, why could, actually, let me, let me kind of backtrack on that for a second. Why could, why could these plan asset rules cause you problems? So let's take an example of this. You invest in a fund that deals in art. Okay, we know art is a collectible. You can't use your IRA to buy art, right? So your IRA can't buy a Picasso. But could your IRA invest in a fund that buys and sells art? So technically, if the IRAs own less or 401ks own less than 25%, then you can make the argument that the plan asset rules kick, don't kick in and actually your IRA or 401k does not own the art in itself, it just owns the membership interest and the partnership that owns the art. So in that case, um, it's probably okay. But if you own more than 25%, guess what? The plan asset rules kick in and now treat your IRA or 401k as owning the assets of the fund, the art, and now you've triggered 408 and potentially the management of the uh, fund also is deemed a fiduciary, which could cause them all kinds of uh, headaches. So that's actually one reason why the um, plan S rules could have an impact on the investor. So I did say before that it generally doesn't impact the investor, the IRA or 401k. But again, here's an example where it could. Um, we know the prohibited transaction rules always apply. The plan asset rules just add a ERISA fiduciary level that would not apply under 4975. So it's like another layer of potential trouble for um, someone who falls into the, this plan asset rule trap. Most of the problems fall on, the, again, the management of these funds because they get flipped around and now become fiduciaries under ERISA, which uh, adds, as I mentioned, tons of, of liability, potential liability, scrutiny, and, and added uh, responsibility. So. Um, that's what you got to look, even if you are an investor, uh, if you're not investing in an operating company or a publicly traded company, now you need to look at the fund documents. Are they accepting pension funds or IRAs? If so, are they going to make sure be under 25%? If it's not an art or collectible or anything not permitted under IRS rules, uh, 4975 may not be an issue for you as the investor, but it definitely will be important for uh, someone managing the fund. So um, this podcast, I think, is, is important for investors of, of IRAs or 401k. They should certainly understand what the plan asset rules mean, what the intent is, what what the purpose is, and then understand some of the pitfalls and, and how uh, triggering the plan asset rules could, could cause uh, potentially a prohibited transaction, i.e. the art example, or also a uh, fiduciary issue uh, under like the master feeder, feeder example, right? Um, let's, let's look at Bernie Madoff, right? Bernie Madoff, there were lots of feeder funds that fed into the Bernie Madoff fund. Now, if some of those feeder funds had more than 25% as pension plans, then the managers of those feeder funds 
had now a fiduciary responsibility. So the, your opportunity to sue them, their liability level just dropped. Their potential liability level um, threshold just dropped. So it's going to be much, much, much easier to sue them because they were supposed to have an added um, responsibility to you as a fiduciary under ERISA. Not just a fiduciary under 4975, but a higher um, degree of care owed to you because they're a fiduciary under ERISA. So that's another example how getting under the plan asset rules could um, open you up to, to, uh, to lawsuits as a manager and cause you a lot more problems, whether it's uh, receiving fees or commissions or uh, side deals with the fund, uh, whether it's loans, things like that, um, which maybe arguably is not in the best interest of your client. And as if you're a ERISA fiduciary, you have that prudent expert standard of care, um, potential personal liability that you would not have if you were not a fiduciary uh, under uh, ERISA. So that in a nutshell is why the Planus rules are so important to understand. You do not want to have this prudent expert standard of care, this higher standard of care, which will open you up to potential liability. So there you go. In most cases, you don't have to worry about plan assets, right? If you're buying stocks or mutual funds, ETFs, or you're investing in operating companies, uh, you don't have to worry about it. But if you're investing in a fund, pass-through fund, um, or a real estate fund with less than 50% in real estate, active real estate, managed real estate, or less than 50% in active uh, venture capital managed portfolio companies, and you're going to have more than 25% uh, owners of those funds as pension plans or retirement accounts, beware of the plan asset rule. Don't do it. You know, limit the involvement of pension plans or IRAs to under the 25%. You need to do that. Trust me, you do not want to have that standard, prudent standard of care under uh, ERISA uh, fiduciary responsibilities. It, uh, it will really significantly limit what you can do and, and open you up to uh, potential catastrophic you know, uh, liability because the, the barrier is so low to cross. So there you go. I hope um, I kind of made the plan asset rules easier to understand than may have been otherwise. They're, they're complex. A lot of people don't realize how they work. Some people don't even know they exist. Uh, I get this example with art all the time. Um, I'm investing in an art fund. Can I do it with my IRA? And people automatically say, no, you can't do it because of 408M. And I say, wait, if it's in a fund and less than 25% less than of that fund is owned by retirement accounts, you're probably going to be able to do it because you're going to be deemed to own the, not deemed to own the assets, the art of the fund, but you're going to be deemed to own the membership units or the, or the partnership interest uh, of the LLC or partnership and not the underlying assets art. So in that case, you may be able to buy the art in your retirement account. So the plan asset rules are important to understand. If you are setting up your own fund, if you work in an investment fund, a hedge fund specifically, you need to understand these rules. Um, your lawyers will understand them, but you should too, especially if you're going out raising money, um, new fund or an existing fund or a second round. Um, make sure you understand the significance of crossing that 25% threshold and triggering the plan asset rules. You do not, do not want to do that. So there you go. I hope um, you found the uh, podcast helpful, a little bit insightful, and I hope I didn't bore you to death. Um, it was a bit long, but it's, it's a very meaty topic and uh, I try to do my best. So um, I hope you appreciate it. I, I had a lot of fun. I did a lot of research on this because I've written articles on the plan asset rules, but haven't tackled in in some time and, and started getting a bunch of questions on it. 
recently. So I wanted to do a podcast on it and kind of just have some fun talking freely about how it works, not being you know kind of stuck to the page or to a blog where I'm like kind of stuck with under a thousand um, you know, words. I wanted to have some fun with this. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, uh, if you're doing so and talk to everyone again next week.